Chapter 71 Noah Nuh In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. We sent Noah to his people, saying, Warn your people before a painful punishment falls upon them. The Quran is mainly concerned with the stories of those prophets who emerged at decisive junctures in history and played roles that proved to be definitive for humanity's fates. Noah is one of those prophets. Inzar, or warn, connotes making people aware of imminent and important events, similar to sirens used during air raids to warn people to seek shelter. Although warnings are not issued to frighten people, nonetheless, the awareness of danger typically has that effect. The Prophet's warnings informed deniers that their unjust behavior and polytheistic beliefs were dangerous, and that, to prevent their community's downfall, they should change their ways while the approaching punishment can still be turned away. It is society's lifestyle that determines its fate. Therefore, it is not God who punishes people. Rather, punishment is a consequence of their own actions. Noah's primary prophetic mission was to warn his community. He said, O oh my people, I have been sent as a clear warner to you. The reference here to a clear warner signifies one who explains dangers in common speech, as opposed to philosophical concepts or complicated discourses. That you wholeheartedly serve God, be mindful of Him, and obey me. The imperative verb ittaquhu, be mindful of Him, used here, alludes to taqwa, a fundamental Quranic concept defined as God-consciousness and denotes honoring the limits set by God and seeking His pleasure via self-control and restraining negative impulses such as anger, lust, and violating others' rights. In other words, it implies that God's values should be used as the litmus test to evaluate and control one's base desires. By saying, Obey me. Noah is not demanding that his people treat him as their master, but only that they should consider and comply with his message. But why? So that he may forgive your sins and spare you until the appointed time. Surely, when God's appointed time arrives, it cannot be delayed. If you only knew. People's deeds, particularly their sins, follow them just like an animal's tail follows. Our deeds have a permanent impact on the world due to their far-reaching consequences. However, God's laws nullify and destroy the effects of our unethical actions if we turn away from further wrongdoing and do our best to follow the path of virtuous behavior. Similarly, People's sinful deeds 
may lead to such utter anarchy and crisis as to push a society virtually to the edge of destruction. However, when a society collectively changes direction and begins taking corrective action, God will delay its early demise and grant it a reprieve until it reaches the end of its natural appointed lifespan. Eventually, every civilization, like Romans, Assyrians, and Babylonians, perishes and is replaced by a more deserving one. As societies and tribes also follow this path, Noah warned his people to practice monotheism, godliness, and obedience to the divine limits so that the effects of their misdeeds would be annulled and that God would therefore grant them their full appointed time. Apparently, Noah's message was disregarded, and thus he sought refuge with God. He said, My Lord, I have called my people night and day. Night and day implies that Noah consistently summoned his people to respond to God's call. But the more I called, the farther they fled. Not only were Noah's summons ineffective, but his people's growing disgust with him and aversion to the message he was relaying caused them to distance themselves even further from him. Every time I invite them to the straight path so that you may forgive them, they thrust their fingers into their ears, cover their heads with their garments, persist in their refusal, and become puffed up with pride and arrogance. The sentence, Every time I invite them so that you may forgive them, they thrust their fingers into their ears, indicates both Noah's persistence in trying to fulfill the mission entrusted to him and his people's refusal to heed him. They were not interested in seeing or hearing Noah, as indicated by cover their heads with their garments. They continued to pursue their lifestyle and perverse traditions. People usually like to do as they wish and follow God's laws only when they see personal gain in doing so. However, they become extremely overbearing and arrogant when they find that God's imperatives are contrary to their inclinations. Arrogance, istikbar, is antithetical to God-consciousness, for it implies holding oneself above any standard, as well as an unwillingness to accept the limits established by God. As the Quran narrates, the result of Noah's 950-year-long ministry was limited to a mere handful of people who listened to him attentively and boarded the ark. Then I called them openly. Noah sought every opportunity to invite his people to the message. Preach to them in public and in private. Conveyed God's message publicly and in person to those who were more conservative. And said, Seek your Lord's forgiveness 
for he is ever forgiving. Seeking forgiveness, istaghfiru, is not a mere verbal act accomplished by using prayer beads or repeating the invocation, O oh God, forgive me. Rather, it means to sincerely seek forgiveness through self-purification by admitting one's wrongdoing and taking intentional steps to rectify it. People often claim that they always choose the best options in whatever they elect to do. However, God forgives only those who align their actions with the divine imperatives and values. The following two verses describe the rewards God bestows upon humanity for seeking forgiveness sincerely. He will send down plenty of rain from the sky. Midrar refers to showering abundantly. This verse is one of those that reveal how human actions impact the natural order. In other words, humanity will be showered with nature's blessings if its actions are aligned with the natural order. While the precise relationship between them has not been scientifically established yet, undoubtedly the same God is responsible for creating both human beings and nature. We'll give you wealth and sons, and we'll provide you with gardens and rivers. Some exegetes opine that the bestowal of divine blessings is conditional upon performing virtuous actions. Thus, there is a causal relationship between them. What is the matter with you that you do not revere God and acknowledge His majesty? Why do you not take God into consideration in your daily affairs? When He has created you in stages. Atwar refers to the stages of a person's physical development from conception through gestation up to the point of birth, proceeding from semen to the genesis of the zygote, followed by different phases of the embryo. Why does this stage-by-stage -stage development of the body's various parts and complex systems not instill respect, reverence, and amazement? If you are unable to appreciate this development, then at least lift your head and look up at the sky. Have you not observed how God created the seven heavens, one above the other? We do not know how much Noah's people understood about the nature of the seven heavens. But considering other verses, the seven heavens clearly refers to the successive layers of Earth's atmosphere that function as a protective shield around it. How he made the moon therein a reflected light and the sun a lamp. Some exegetes regard this verse, among others, as one of the wonders of the Quran, in that this scientific knowledge, which would be discovered and confirmed only many centuries later, was here being revealed to Prophet Muhammad. The moon is called light, nur, whereas the sun is referred to as a lamp, 
Siraj. Lamps are brilliant and radiate light. The scientific discoveries of the last few centuries show that the moon acts like a mirror, for it reflects the light radiated by the sun. Although God does not intend to teach us astronomy, it is noteworthy that the moon-sun relationship described here corresponds with modern science. Another point to consider is, and made the moon a light therein. That is, within the seven heavens. This is a clear statement that the moon, not the sun, is situated within our planet's seven atmospheric layers, namely, the last one, which is called the magnetosphere. This is yet another amazing fact that modern science has confirmed. How God made you spring forth from the soil like a plant. Like seeds that germinate in the soil and eventually produce leaves and yield crops, humans are also produced from soil and created from dirt. This analogy is reflected in, from it, the soil, we created you, and unto it, we will return you, and from it, we will extract you another time. Chapter 20, verse 55 The Quran alludes to the journey of life and death to stress that resurrection is a physical process during which all humans will literally be raised up from the soil. Some Muslims mistakenly believe that after death, while the corpse decays and turns to dirt, the immaterial soul ascends to be with God until the day of resurrection, at which time it will return to its corporeal form. No such reasoning can be found in the Quran for it only describes physical resurrection. A person's cells are preserved post-mortem, even if they have been dead and buried for thousands of years, and their physical matter ingested and absorbed by plants and animals. On the day of resurrection, all humans will be regenerated by a single divine command similar to how a plant can be regenerated from the DNA embedded in a seed. Then he will return you into it and later bring you out of it. Humans do not know how this new bringing forth will occur, denoted by the indeterminate form of ikhraj, extraction. The description of the event simply as an extraction here, is deliberate. For the indeterminate nature of the reference signifies that it is beyond human comprehension. And how he has spread out the earth for you. The earth was turbulent and covered in water for a very long time. But God caused the oceans to recede thereby exposing and expanding the land submerged beneath them and spreading it out as a flat, carpet-like expanse. As a result, earth became so tranquil that living creatures could thrive in these new conditions. 
over time, it became the cradle of humanity. To walk along its spacious paths. Fijajan refers to roads traversing the valleys that have been cleaved between hills and mountains. Human life as we know it would have been untenable if Earth's surface were like that of the moon or entirely covered by mountains as high as Himalayas. However, God crisscrossed Earth's topography with valleys that led people to open expanses of land, thereby making it easy for them to migrate to new areas. The Quran's approach to monotheism differs drastically from how institutionalized Islam has historically treated it. For example, Noah does not talk about God's essence or resort to philosophical discourse to prove his oneness, Tawheed. Instead, he talks about his signs as they are manifest in nature. Noah said, My Lord, they disobeyed me and followed those whose wealth and children do not increase anything for them but loss. Noah's people rejected him and followed a wealthy, tyrannical ruler whose property and children brought him nothing but loss. Although demagogues and tyrants existed during his era, monarchs claiming absolute sovereignty, such as the pharaohs of Egypt, had not yet risen to power. When describing the powerful, the Quran often refers not only to their property, but also to their sons. Due to the lack of central governments at that time, sons were considered an important family asset because the more sons a family had, the more security and power it could attain. They have plotted a mighty plot. Noah's enemies had contrived a mighty plot against him. In a different chapter, the Quran narrates the story of his building the ark amidst his enemies' ongoing mockery and ill-treatment due to his building it on dry land. But they went further than this, for they actually dreamed up plans to murder him and his followers. What did the leaders tell the people to do? Saying, Never leave your deities. Do not abandon Wed, Suwa'a, Yahuth, Ya'uq, or Nasr. The Quran refers to demagogues and the wealthy as the two social forces who oppose and antagonize prophets. When their interests are threatened, the wealthy often incite people to resist those who try to awaken them from the sleep of ignorance. Realizing that the common people were turning toward Noah, the elite searched the community to turn against him and warned them not to abandon their traditional gods, an indication that they were not atheists. Beginning with Adam, prophets have always been raised up to show their communities different approaches to knowing God and to pave the way for human growth. They taught their people certain truths. However, 
these teachings were conditioned by cultural norms, traditions, and popular beliefs as they were passed down. The history of religion shows the existence of a consistent pattern according to which a prophet's message was gradually corrupted until it became regressive. Polluted with superstitions and other accretions, and functioned as a significant impediment to the original message brought by the next prophet. This is the underlying reason why the oligarchs of Noah's era implored people not to abandon their traditional idol worship. They acted mainly to preserve their own advantage, not out of any concern for their people's religious sentiments. They have led many astray. O oh my Lord, do not allow the wrongdoers to increase in anything except straying even further from the straight path. Not only did they not guide their people, but they actually led them even further astray. They were drowned because of their offenses and sent to hell. They found no one to help them besides God. The passive verb ugriku indicates that it was not God who drowned them. Rather, such a fate was the inevitable consequence of their own deeds. This verse draws a contrast between water and fire by first pointing out that they were drowned and then entered a fire, namely the fire of hell. The verse's last part, they found no one to help them besides God, signifies people's inability to nullify the effects of the natural order and the divine laws, which inevitably respond to their deeds. The story of Noah is one of those in the Quran where the conclusion precedes the story. Due to their opposition, Noah's people were drowned. But how did that occur? Noah prayed, My Lord, do not leave any of the disbelievers on earth. For if you leave them, they will mislead your servants and only beget wicked and immoral disbelievers. Yelidu refers to causing new ideas to arise as opposed to literal physical reproduction. A society could sink to such a level of depravity and become so rotten to the core that it would forever be incapable of producing anything good. For this reason, Noah prays to God as follows, My Lord, forgive me and my parents, whoever enters my house as a believer, and believing men and believing women, and bring nothing but ruin and destruction on the evildoers. Noah's imploring that God forgive him shows that he did not consider himself infallible. Noah did not pray to God to literally forgive whoever happened to enter his house. Rather, this expression is a metaphor for the conceptual structure on which the believer's faith is based. He is beseeching God to purify whoever chooses this path, both believing women 
as well as men, and to destroy the wrongdoers completely. In other words, this supplication is two-pronged. He is asking God, one, to assist and raise those on the path of virtue, and two, to keep them away from those who are on the path of falsehood.